You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get up, get, get up, get up. What's up, Mets fans? Welcome back to the Mets Up Podcast, episode number 127, the official podcast of the New York Mets. We got a pretty good series to talk about, despite what people felt after game one. Uh, What do you know? The Mets win another series because they're a good baseball team playing the Marlins. So we're going to talk about the Marlins series. A lot of ups and downs there, a lot of narrative stuff that I'm not necessarily excited to talk about, but we have to talk about because it's funny to look back at. Now, we'll also preview the Chicago Cubs series coming up. Talk a little bit of football, too, because, you know, week one in football. It's been a good weekend for sports in general, especially when the Mets end up winning the series. If you guys are enjoying what you're seeing on here, make sure you follow us on all our social media at Mets Up. That's on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. If you're looking for the YouTube video, go to the New York Mets YouTube channel. You'll be able to find it there. Make sure you subscribe. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts, drop us a rating, drop us a review. Make sure you got the downloads turned on and subscribe to the podcast. James, I've spent like the last 48 hours with you, it feels. But uh, for the people at home, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I mean, especially great because the Mets have a bigger lead over the Braves right now than the last time we talked to you guys. So there's no reason not to be happy. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you you mentioned that because, I mean, let's just let's get right into it, right? After Friday's loss to the Marlins, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Mets uh, technically were no longer in first place. They fell out yes. of first place for the first time in however many days it was. And since April 19th or 12th or something. Yeah, and people on Twitter were losing their mind. I mean, just the stats that were being dropped, the narr- like the conversation was about as intolerable as it's been in a long time. And I, I get being stressed. I get being upset about losing to a team like the Marlins. But some of the stuff that was being said was just so insane, outlandish even. I know, it's just, I mean, there's this narrative that the Mets are choking and the Mets are blowing it and that just we let them back in this race. And we know it's not true. You guys know that's not true if you're listening yeah. to the show. But it was just, I think a lot of Mets fans were disappointed to see something that they hoped never would have happened all year that did happen for almost 24 full hours. And it was scary. <laughs> and like Bleacher Report had a big tweet. MLB had a big tweet. The Post, like everyone was just throwing tweets and tweets and tweets out about the Braves passing the Mets, all this stuff. And like, what do you know? Back to a game and a half before yeah. that. Nope. Nobody brings the heat like Mets fans. I mean, there's a reason that all these publications and such post about it when it happens because the Mets fans, we bring the heat. We have the energy. That's for sure. I just I just wish it was a little more positive because as we now know and as we've trying, been trying to tell Mets fans all year long, it, one game does not make this team. One game doesn't determine the season like this. Like in September, what was it? September 9th, I guess technically on Friday when mm. that happened. People were ready to just, it's over. It's done. I, I can't believe they did it again. I can't believe we're, we're experiencing this. It was so bizarre. The amount of people that were like, you're, you're just, you're dumb. You're dumb. I told you this was going to happen. You told me the Braves were going to win, play 75% winning baseball since June 1st. Like it's, people just are ignoring stats too. And that's the thing that really bothers me is because you can't, you can't argue with people who don't want to listen, you know? I think I saw something. The Mets had like the fifth or sixth best record in baseball, even just like since the all-star break. <laughs> so it's like they just keep winning and winning. The Braves win a little bit more. But now we finally see this weekend, the Braves actually face a team with a winning record and they yes. actually lose two out of three, which is refreshing because usually around baseball this year, the Mets have been the only team that can beat the Braves. It was Luckily, so now another team stepped up and also beat the Braves. Dude, it was so tight. I mean, 
Let's talk about that Mariners Braves series real quick because obviously, like we're talking about the Mariners Braves, we're talking about any Mets Marlins. Well, it's going to be quick. It's going to be quick, but it's so funny how last night, well, I guess on Saturday, since you guys will be listening to this on Monday, when Paul Seawald came into the game, I put out a tweet saying, if Paul Seawald gets a save here, I won't say anything bad about him ever again. I'll take back everything I said. He'll be forgiven. And he got the save. And I, I forgave him. And then today he comes in after Diego Castillo did an absolute botch job with a four-run lead. Just took a gigantic poop in the mound. Yeah, he really, really soiled his pants there. Uh, <laughs> Paul Seawald came in and just did about as bad of a job as he could have as well, giving up a nuke to Robbie Grossman. And I took it all back. The world is not right when I am giving Paul when I'm apathetic. I wasn't even giving him respect. I was apathetic to Paul Seawald. Nope, I'm back to hating Paul Seawald. He's on my list. You also felt it because. Diego Castillo came into that game. He walked Austin Riley on four pitches to start the inning. And I was like, all right, he doesn't have it. And also, yep. in the seventh inning of this game, Mark said the line that I said at the beginning of the show. was like, oh, look at this. The Mets have a bigger lead now than they did when the Marlins series started. You I know, I was hoping, like, are you, are you serious? How could you have said that? I was hoping you weren't going to bring that one up because it, it ended up being all right. I mean, hey, crazier things have happened, right? I, no. I was feeling good. The football games were winning. We were playing well. But everything did swing back when you started hating Paul Seawald again. That's when Julio yes. Rodriguez, right after you started, you went on like a whole vicious tirade about Paul Seawald oh. to me and our other friends. I'm still hot. I'm, I could I could go on another 20-minute tirade about Paul Seawald. I, but, can't, I can't even believe he gave up that home run still. It's, it's maddening. The second you started hating him again, though, all of a sudden, bang, Julio Rodriguez, Eugenio Suarez, Mariners win a series. Listen, the that, back. that was kind of the, the feel of this this series between the Mariners and the Braves. There was a lot of hate watching going on. It's officially hate watch season where I'll be watching Braves games to hate them, to root against them actively. Mets win even better, but you got to root against the Braves now. And when they're playing on the West coast, it's really easy to hate watch. So there's a lot of hate watching going on. And I think just bringing that back with Paul Seawall, they really got the gears going again. Cause it was like a, a hateful watch now. Cause I hated Paul Seawall again. I had a great hate watch. I didn't really watch it at the weekend. But I did a hate bet against Michigan plus Hawaii plus 52 against Michigan. Well, how'd that game end? I don't even know. Michigan won by 46. Oh, let's go. <laughs> hey, big bet. Weekend. Hey, bet. Yes, big weekend but, for spiteful bets. We got to just have, we got to start rooting against the Braves here. The Braves, luckily now, they just got out of the Rockies, Marlins, A stretch where they won almost every single game. They only lost one yeah. of them. They <laughs> won an eight-game winning streak. And then the Mo Charlie Morton beat Robbie Ray on Friday. But now it's still on the West Coast at San Fran. And then Philly, National, Philly, National, Mets. Yep. No, still a lot of baseball left. Of course, this division is far from over. Uh, our good friend Sal Licata will do his best to just jinx and jinx and jinx and jinx. I'll throw this out there for you, Sal, uh, for your crimes against the New York Mets. I'm going to call them crimes because I think what you did is absolutely, it's heinous what you did in June saying the division's over. That's just bad. Was, I think it was May 30th. May 30th, even worse. You did in the month of May. Imagine just, imagine having that. But I tweeted out that you should have to spend 24 hours in a Waffle House to make it right. And I will I will extend an olive branch to you. I will spend those 24 hours with you, whether it be in a Waffle House, an IHOP, whatever it's going to be. Because I think I think that's another way to make it right. Because you, you can't you can't go unpunished for saying something like that. I think there's a couple other ways he can make it right. I kind of like the idea of him doing some kind of pilgrimage to Atlanta. But like flying like, there would be too easy. And same with, like, I think even driving, it might be a little bit too easy. Yeah. I think Salakada from New York should either have to do like one of those sketchy Chinatown buses. <laughs> or if he really wants to get creative, I don't know what kind of athleticism uh, Salakada has in his, in his age, but like a bike ride to Atlanta. Yeah, like a three-day bike ride. I'll allow the sitting bike. What is that called? Oh, uh, the one where you like like that back in the seat and you turn, turn, turn. It's, 
it was in the rehearsal. They told recumbent yeah. bike. I think it's yeah. a recumbent bike. I'll let him take a recumbent bike down to Atlanta, and you know what? I'll join him if he needs me to. <laughs> but Sal, we just need we just need something to you know get the karma back in the right direction after he ruined it in May. Yeah, no, it was it was bad. Luckily though, the Mets don't care about karma. The Mets just keep winning games because after that bad game one, we won the next two. But of course, anything I mean, any, anything to talk about in game one, really? I just want I want to talk about Peterson briefly. It was yeah. annoying that. First of all, it's annoying that our poop fest had moved from game one from game two to game one because now we don't have that game one cushion. Now we've also won four of the last five game twos of series, which is just like weird. I, we just screwed up all the Mets fans' equilibriums, and that's why everyone's getting so mad. I talked about that last episode, but we got down the first inning, like that beginning of that game. So it was like Ivor Mets fan just kind of moaned and groaned, and then like Peterson like immediately wasn't really there, which I can't. It's hard to fault Peterson for having a bad start because we flipped him up and down, like changed his role so much this year. He just kind of do for something to be off. He couldn't get out of the fourth inning. Every single out was tough. He threw lots of pitches, three and two-thirds. Got to 78 pitches in three and two-thirds innings. Five hits, three earned, two walks, still seven strikeouts. So, you know, that stuff was still working. It seemed like he had poor command. I listened to this game on the radio. This was a special radio treat because this was Terry and Howie in the booth. Yes. So they were talking about, you know, launch angle, how much they don't like it, strikeouts. Talking about the rule changes, like which we could t- talk on a little bit at the end of the show if we have time. But... It seemed like Peterson was kind of falling behind hitters, but I look back today and he actually threw 10 of 18 first pitch strikes, which isn't a great number, but it's also not a bad one. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what it do we even know what the league average number is? Because I think it's probably hard. It's hard to determine if 10 of 18 is good or bad or if it's fine or if it's mid, like mid. Like, he just he didn't have the stuff, like you said. He just wasn't sharp. League average is 61%. So okay, 10 yeah. of 18 is pretty close to that. Yeah, pretty close. Like he definitely wasn't sharp in this game. He definitely didn't have his best stuff, but he has been really so good all year long for yeah. this team that like, I feel like he was, he was due if we're going to say anything to have, like you said, a start where it maybe just wasn't as clean, wasn't as good, but even still like the fact that he was able to get those seven K's, the stuff is still there. Like you said, it was just all command really at the end of the day. And that's always the situation with Peterson. That's kind of the funny conundrum about him and whatever role he's actually going to have over the rest of the season. And then once we get into the postseason, because Terry and how we were actually talking about it, and it kind of changed what I was thinking a little bit where him having not so good commands, like, not warming up for as long, having a relief appearance could probably hurt that because it might take him a little bit longer to warm up, especially being for used to sure. starter. Also, if you have poor command, you're coming into a game as a reliever and you have to face a minimum of three batters. You could botch a whole game in three batters yeah. if you just don't have your command. Whereas if you're a starter, you can work through things, see that, but it's kind of double-edged sword. It just seems like with less with worse command, you kind of just want to not maybe pitch as much or around the order that many times. But it's neither here nor there. It just wasn't that sharp. His sliders, he was sometimes he was getting whiffs, sometimes they were just very clear balls. The fastball. He was throwing it high. Some blood to the heart of the plate. Some were too high. They weren't getting called strikes. It wasn't good, but it just makes sense given all the craziness. And we did have tons of chances to win this game. There were two yeah. major double plays that killed us. One was Jeff in the third inning. We started really hitting Edward Cabrera the second time around because he only basically throws a fastball and a changeup. So second, third time around, we were really lacing the ball off him. Jeff hit yeah, a hard was- ground ball to Garrett Cooper. He made the best defensive play of his career <laughs> to make it. Literally a perfect throw like over the runner to get it to... Uh, Miguel Rojas. Oh, well, you were you were listening to the game on the radio, too. You know, Garrett Cooper, like, coming into this game, like, hadn't hit a home run, like, 80-something at-bats, right. and he had Amazing. in his first one. And they brought it up, and they, like, laughed a little bit, like, ah, cool. yeah, that's about right. Like, people mm-hmm. are going to be upset about that one. Uh, he, he had a really good series against the Mets. He always hits, though. He's a good player. He's a very yeah. good player. And then Francisco Lindor's double play in the seventh inning was rough, especially because... Don Mattingly and Tanner Scott tried to give us this game so badly. He, for some reason, they brought in a left-handed pitcher when he knew that we were just going to pinch it but rough for Vogelback 
Yeah. And then you had, I think McCann was up next, who was significantly better against lefties. Mm-hmm. And there was someone else down there that got flipped around. But I, and maybe Lindor was second. So just a lot of guys were better usually against lefties. And then just in a sharp ground ball that caught a glove. What are you going to do? And then yeah. Joel gave up a home run. And that was that. Yeah, that was that. I mean, like we said, this game is not nearly as important to talk about now because it's a one and a half game lead. So let's stop talking about it. Game one stunk. And we won another series. The Marlins win percentage on the year is 410. So, you know, we... <laughs> We got we we got we did better than you know what what the stats would say you do against a team like this. You win two of three every series. You're looking pretty good at the end of the year, and the Mets are looking pretty good as we get closer and closer to the end of this year. Oh, Game God. two, Ryan suck up another field goal. Oh my God, another field goal. Sweating a fancy matchup. How tight is the game? It's I'm gonna lose. You're gonna it, lose. Uh, it was sorry. 19. He had suck up in Cortland Sutton, and now now it's gonna be now it's 12 if it wasn't for aaron Rodgers putting up a solid two points for me today and irv smith jr not even catching a ball which is crazy i guess they're just not gonna throw to him the vikings but i guess not whatever game two game two we could talk about fantasy later i'm just football's on the mind guys apologies (laughs) we just a lot of football football today but game two game two oh wait hold on wait james were you watching game two we're not the worst team in baseball anymore because oh what do you know the mets are swinging the bats no we can hit too we can hit a lot this was this this was um you know it was scary at first because the Marlins did score in the first inning. And we yes. were watching this game together. And we we're, of course, both on Twitter because we live on Twitter. And people were moaning and groaning, freaking out, getting pissed. Like, oh, we can't pl- keep playing these games like this. You can't fall behind to a team like the Marlins, even though the game was seven minutes old. You can't do this. You can't do that. You're blowing the season. It's a choke job. And then we just went absolutely ballistic on them. Nuts. We went nuts. And it honestly started once we moved seats, too, because we moved outside at the bar that we were at. Yeah. And we moved to the corner because we had we were getting rushed out for a reserved party for a 29-year-old woman who, I don't know, their, their stuff was crazy over there. But we moved to the corner, and all of a sudden, the Mets just started hitting. I mean, McNeil was hitting. Lindor was hitting. Everybody was getting involved. Eduardo Escobar, James McCann. I mean, the lineup just was clicking on all cylinders. We had big hits from everybody, it felt like. And it culminated in Mark Hanna's first grand slam of his career. Call him Mark Slamma. Mark Slamma. Four for ten this year with the bases loaded, including three extra base hits. It was an incredible game for Mark. Stepped up when we need him to. Two strike grand slam as well. Fun fact. Oh, wait, we didn't well, we haven't we've we've been doing a little bit of messed up bumping here because we had mm-hmm. the Tomas Nito interview that dropped uh what last week? Last week, I guess, right? Yeah, On Thursday, Friday. Thursday. Thursday, Friday, whatever it was. He's been swinging the bat well. We've also interviewed Mark Canna. He's been swinging the bat well. I mean, the messed up bump is real. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But yeah, it was really, really nice that eight runs in the fourth inning. And you're like, oh, could take a deep breath. I mean, we were at the bar, and we said, if the Mets, if the Mets score here, right, we were gonna, go, we we're gonna get a shot. Yeah. And then a grand slam. We're like, okay, well, now we like actually have to. This isn't really up for debate. And we did. And this inning itself was just kind of cathartic because you just, we just needed to like get a big lead to relax. Also, the fact that we own Pablo Lopez, who's objectively a good pitcher, he's had a bad half, but like, there's no reason he's been as bad as he's been. Also, do you hear the car alarm going outside my window? Yeah, definitely hear it. Okay, cool. I mean, I think we're just going to have to power through it. Yeah, I just got a deal. Yeah, it's your car alarm game. Oh, God. Yeah, it's, the car, it's the car alarm game. But six straight Mets reach base to start the inning. That only ended with a Jeff McNeil sacrifice fly. So even the first out was a productive one. Just ran it up on them. Pablo Lopez, man, like in his career against the Mets, trounced him. I think this year he has an, like a 10 or 11 ERA against the Mets and against everybody else. He's like 3-1. So you're talking about a guy who's pitching like all-star caliber level against everybody else in the league he faces the Mets and he all of a sudden he forgets what he's doing like you said it's a guy who's really good hitter or really good pitcher also the facts that they threw on the screen before that he knows like four different languages and he was an ex- he was accepted into medical school as a 16 year old 
is really? just did you not see that on the screen? We were watching. I thought I stole that to you. No, I wasn't paying attention. Pa- yeah. <laughs> Pablo Lopez, his career against the Mets. 10 starts, 6-5 ERA. Wow. 37 runs allowed in 51 innings. That's shocking because he's a good pitcher. He is a good pitcher. It's awesome. Awesome. Lindor got the late home run too. And you start to see in this game, and even a little bit in game one too, that Lindor was starting to hit the ball harder, a little bit better. Also, get back at the end of the, the, end of the Pirates things. series too, he was getting yes. hitting the ball well. And this game kind of culminated in it with the Ford hard hit ball, four hard hit balls to double the home run, couple RBIs. Lindor, when that dude's hot, you can, you can just see it. You can see it. He plays, he looks, feels, everything's different with him when he's feeling hot. And it's almost like he's like never in the middle. He's either hot or he's not hot. Yeah, no, I mean, like, and I, I feel like that kind of happens, though, for a lot of players over a baseball season, relatively speaking. I mean, we've even talked about it with Starling Marte, how you can almost know from the first at-bat of the game if Starling's going to have a big game or not. Pete, Pete, too. But, yeah, Lindor is especially dominant against the Marlins. John brings this up to us every single time we play them in a series. Lindor has 22 home runs this year. Seven have come against Miami. So many. <laughs> and we play, now we've played 17 games against the Marlins. He has 19 RBIs. <laughs> That's fantastic. He's so That's good. awesome. And Jeff He's had two hits, two ribbies. Canna had the grand slam, two walks. Vogie had two hits, starting to get back in the swing of things. Escobar, three more hits, a home run, two runs scored, two RBIs. He's a single, he like single handedly ignited this entire offense. Oh, 100%. I think the rest that he got from the injury has really rejuvenated his game. He just looks, I mean, he's playing better. There's no doubt about that, but he's, he's really swinging the, as well. yeah, head clearing, hitting home runs, hitting for power, moving the bottom of the lineup around. I mean, him, Vogie, McCann, Nito, whoever's at the bottom of the lineup, those guys getting hits now and getting on base as much Aikman. as they have has been so, so awesome for this team. Like the runs have been getting higher and higher because these guys are now hitting too. Escobar's back to 100 OPS plus. Dude, he's, there he is. Guy loves being league average. And also, yeah, you've mentioned before, James McCann also two more hits in this game. And Carrasco against the Marlins just did his job. Just got, yep. got through him, got done with him, moving on. Yep, after the shaky start last time, looked good against the Marlins, which was awesome. And we were feeling good. Going into game three on football Sunday, we had college football Saturday. Gamecocks lost. Ohio State, big winners over Arkansas Arkansas yeah, State, right? Can't, can't really worry about Wait, that. Wait, both and of us played Arkansas teams. We did both play Arkansas teams, yeah. Very different caliber Arkansas teams. Very different caliber. <laughs> if we would have swapped, it would have been two good games. Yeah, oh, d- wow, come on. No, we would have <laughs> smacked Arkansas State. I won't take that. Spencer Rattler's still good. It's okay. All right, whatever. Game three, game three, football Sunday, like we said, another just nice and easy win against a bad team. It was awesome that like by the fourth inning, it was five, nothing because the Nimmo three run homer, which was awesome. Love Nimmo's Nimmo's so good. He really is. Like, I feel like he's got to be one of the more underappreciated players in baseball, right? I think he's like still like top 25 in war of all players in the league or something. He's been lead off almost every single game his entire year, played fantastic defensive center field almost every game's entire year. Just does it all. He's got a little bit of pop. He keeps showing it here and there. And something you know to me the other night, he's been stealing bases too, which is really cool. I think he has two in the last like five or seven games. He hadn't had any all year before then. Yeah, so maybe, which is maybe starting to feel that. Yeah, maybe starting to feel a little bit more comfortable. McNeil, Alonzo, Tomas Nito. I mean, this is the Nito game, right? The Mets up bump is unbelievably good. Home run, double, single is a triple away from the cycle. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Three RBIs, three runs scored. Escobar, another home run as well. Like, let's go. I mean, it also was nice on a football Sunday after we knew the Braves lost the night before playing after us. The Mets could have just jumped out to an early lead. They're winning 5-0 by the time the fourth inning hit, and we could just put this on a small TV in the corner, keep Red Zone on the big TV, and just you know ease into a wonderful Sunday. Oh, it was it was great. It was awesome. And we had the debut of Yentos, too. Now he did go over 5, which yeah. you know would have, would have hoped for a better debut. With, debut. I believe, two three-pitch strikeouts as well. Yeah, but he did hit that 102-mile-an-hour flyout to right field, which is Almost out in, in a bunch of different parks. He hit the ball well. He's definitely a strong kid. The adjustment's going to be there for him, I'm sure, you know. Kind of got thrown into this kind of quickly as well into a into a tough lineup too. Like, hey, I mean, Mets are two and zero with Mark Vientos in the building. That's that is true. With him on the roster, the Mets have not yet lost with Mark Vientos. So everybody on Twitter is got to be excited that their guy finally got called up. People on Twitter were acting like the Mets just brought like the culmination of like Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth onto this team. <laughs> I like Mark Vientos a lot, but no, he's yeah. a good player. But it was funny that like the Mets because like Mets fans are a ravenous like emotional bunch, and they turned sure. him in, turned him into like the one. Yeah, yeah, now everything's okay. We got Mark Vientos. And listen, the way he, also, he does hit the ball hard and the way he's been he's been smoking AAA. Also super cool that he is a Florida guy and this game was in Florida and he had tons of family here. Yes, no, that is really cool. I uh, saw the family, got in just in time for his first at bat because, of course, the Mets were swinging the bat pretty well. Unfortunately, he didn't get a hit. But, you know, I, I think Buck said that they're going to use him against left-handed pitchers is going to be their plan to DH him against left-handed pitchers. Great. And then if he continues to hit and hits well, they'll use him more and more as he gets more and more comfortable, which I think is the appropriate way to use a guy Mark Vientos right now. Yeah, and the Mets also just faced a left-handed pitcher today and Jesus, yesterday when you guys listening to Jesus Lazaro, though. And even though you didn't score any runs, you kind of forced him up near 30 pitches in the first inning. And you kind of feel like immediately when Jesus Lazaro has it, when Jesus Lazaro does not have it because yeah. – he has the great like curveball slider thing, and then he has a very good changeup. But the fastball is super hittable, even though it has good velocity. And immediately the Mets were on it, so you knew they were going to keep getting the ball, bad on the ball. And they just kind of went along with it, and especially on the other side. Taiwan had one of his best starts of the entire career, in, like a very, very low-key way. It was a day game. Taiwan in day games day is man. just he, – he is day man. He's a different pitcher. I don't know what it is, but when the sun's out, Taiwan is just – he's money. He's cash money. Yeah. Also, a unique day just for New York people in general being 9-11. We saw yep. Taiwan wearing the, the, the hat. We saw Buck wearing a hat, a couple other guys. But all the players were wearing the hats today. Yeah, all of them. Football is on. We that close attention. But yeah. definitely, I saw. I was looking at Taiwan the most closely. But seven innings, 10 strikeouts, five hits, no walks, one earned. Fantastic to get that much length out of him in a day where he had a big lead. He got multiple whiffs on five different pitches, which is a little bit unusual for Taiwan this year, but very nice to see the fastball, the splitter, even through the curveball a little bit, a couple sliders and sinker. His fastball looked especially good, led the way in terms of usage, had five whiffs. Command was very good. Every pitch was kind of, when you look at the chart where it was supposed to be, the fastballs were up, the splitters were down, the sinkers were fading. Everything was Perfect. great. Six career start for Taiwan where he had 10 strikeouts and no walks. Second time he's done that with the Mets. I love when John writes these notes because he has no idea how bullet points work. No, he'll like he'll do like a bullet point and then like a second bullet point like within the same line. It's, it's John, shocking. Johnny, as smart of a guy as John is to not understand how bullet points work, it's freaking nuts. <laughs> but, 
Taiwan this year, kind of like Garasco has been like especially good against the Marlins, which is that's kind of what you want the back of your rotation to do against a team like the Marlins For in your sure. division. Just handle them 4-0 with a 2-2 ERA this year. It's five starts against the Marlins, which is so, a lot. Feels like almost every series so far. Yes. Just fantastic. Good, good game for the Mets. Two very clean games. Marlins didn't even sniff a lead after the first inning Saturday in either of them. Nice and easy. Head to our next series. Feeling good. After what was a stressful start to the series, the last two games were whew, big deep breaths, big deep breaths of like, ah, this is this this is the Mets team we expected. I mean, that makes sense though. What is the anomaly with this Mets team? Scoring a bunch of runs and beating the Marlins, or having like a game where you don't hit and you lose? Uh, the game where you don't hit and you lose. That's the anomaly. Did they not hit in that game? Like I think the Mets hit fine that game. Like literally, the one if one of those two ground balls from Lindor or McNeil just find the hole instead of finding yeah. glove and cause two outs, the Mets probably win that game. And also, like talk about an anomaly in that game on Friday night, Miguel Rojas had two hits. Yeah. Oh, geez. Like, that's two, two, two. Uh, that's an anomaly in and of itself. Guy came in with an OPS under six hundred. <laughs> He's a Met killer, though. He loves he loves playing against the Mets. Something about it. He he really turns it on for them. But hey, who cares? Mets win two of three. Fantastic. Feeling so much better. Just keep winning your series. The Mets keep winning their series. Keep winning your series. Keep winning your series. And it's going to be hard for a team to catch you. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know what I'm talking about, you know, catching you. I think this is a perfect time to bring up uh, your boy. He's making some yeah. moves here. I have become dangerously, dangerously close Taking well, a lead here in the estimate. This was this was kind of this was kind of screwed up because Mark picked the question for this one, knowing that he could go on baseball reference. I didn't even know this existed. You could look at attendance splits for a team in a year. So he got the number basically exactly right for the Mets Marlins attendance, which is ridiculous. Oh yeah. 15.069, and I think it ended up being about 14.5 was the average. I mean, that's that's about as good as you can get right there. Although I lose in prices right rules, but it's like you cork the bat. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Listen. Not the first time, not the last time. I'm going to use some, my knowledge to my advantage here. James, I know how bullet points work. <laughs> Dude, every single time we do these, uh, the notes on here, you do the bullet point, and you do, you do a tab, another bullet point on the same line. <laughs> I know what it's I crazy. do. It's crazy. You know, you know what's making that happen, right? Tell me. It's not like down the rest of the page. <laughs> I know. No, what, what I do is, as the series go by, I'll throw notes that I have into a Word document, mm. and I'm just straight copy pasting. And mm. Google Docs is bad with formatting, and I just am like, screw it. And I'm blaming Google Docs for that. Oh yeah. no, it's this is definitely on Google Doc. It's Alphabet's and, fault. Yeah, and, <laughs> and now that you made a comment about it, I'm you know still probably just going to keep doing it more and more. <laughs> no, it's um, fine. I just wanted to make sure the people know that it's every single time. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> Do I, did any of you guys ever watch Silicon Valley? That show? Great yeah. show. Great so show. John will get this. Uh, there's like, I, I think it's called syntax technically, but the the guy on Silicon Valley, I can't remember his name, Richard. Richard, Richard used yeah. to freak out when people would space out things using the space bar instead of pressing tab, even though they would get it exactly the same like thing. He was like, you press tab instead. It's just more efficient. It's better. So I feel like James is having that right now with John putting the extra little, you know, bullet point there in the, in the notes. To me, it's just weird because, like I said, like John's a sharp guy. It's bizarre for me to not to, to, to have these bizarre bullet points in here. Backhanded compliments all around. James, you know what I think is weird? What? Hey, listeners, listeners, get a hold of this. James, tell the people how many fantasy baseball leagues you're in. This year, I think yeah. it's I think it's nine or ten. So nine many. or ten. That's so nine many. Nine or ten. And how many I'm football nuts. leagues? Are, how many football leagues are you in? This year, it's only five. Only, only five. five. I bumped well, up to what? three, and I feel overwhelmed. Me too. Me too. I bumped it's... down to five and I feel like I'm swinging with a donut. 
<laughs> I was locked in today. What's the most you've done in a year? Football, probably eight or nine. Baseball, oh, like, oh my like God, 11 or 12. Dude. 11, double digits? Yeah. That's... James, it's on you, Mo. I'm going to say. No, because what I'll do is, like, I do, is. I'll do a couple, like, early drafts because I know, like, I'll have an advantage over the field. And I'll do, like, a best ball so I know it's not a weekly lineup set. So I have my roster, and then they put the best guys in your lineup. So you have a couple teams that are kind of, like, self-automated. And then, mm. again, like, I'm doing all these teams, but, like, I know I'm right, so I just get the same players. Yeah, I, I get it. But, like, and football, there's fewer guys that are fantasy relevant. No, you're right. I had to cut back in football this year. Last year was overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, like, you're rooting it for and against guys all over the place, I'm sure. That's just too much. I, 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 For me, it's, I mean, three, like Mark said, three's a lot. I feel like I'm all over the place with three. Plus, you know, you win a big league that you care about. And then there's another league that, like, you got to rank them. Oh, for you get sure. A you have to rank them. Yeah, and then, like, you get a different self-gratification feeling for winning or losing. You get, it's too messy. Like, you know, the fewer you're in, the, the better you feel when it goes well. I don't know about you guys, but I'm I've I'm usually in ESPN leagues. That's I feel like the best app for fantasy football for the casuals out here. But my cousin, yeah. shout out to my cousin Teddy, he is I think 40 years old, and I joined a league with him and all his friends, and they use Yahoo. And let Casual. me just let me tell you, that is just the absolute worst fantasy app I've ever seen. It's like they made it when apps first became a thing on the iPhone and haven't touched it since. So I'd be what, like 2006. They haven't touched it since Carlos Beltran played for the Mets. Like, oh my God, this this it's so bad. I, I can't even wrap my head around how anyone would want to use that over ESPN or I don't know, even pen and paper has to be better. One of the main leagues I cut, a football and a baseball league in the last year was because it was stuck on Yahoo. I was like, I'm just not gonna play if it remains <laughs> yeah. on this website. Is, is this a thing? This Yahoo hate? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest, maybe I'm exposing myself. You know what I'm about to say. John I'm a Yahoo guy. There it is. Old John. <laughs> would you would you turn 35 the other day i mean that makes sense you're born in the 80s i guess oh my goodness no i think you know you know what it is i've i've had a run of success in a in a couple fantasy leagues and they've been on yahoo and i've had less success in the one espn fantasy football league i'm, I'm a participant in and i feel like just my when i open the app and i'm seeing good things i like that more and I feel like I'm conditioned and out of just like Yahoo more. Remember, remember a few episodes when John said he's not superstitious. He doesn't believe in any of that stuff. And he's yeah. just like, no, week after week sh- giving examples. Yeah, week it, after week. That's not superstition. Superstition, no, that's not superstition. It's just, you know, I've had a good experience there. So I just, I get a better vibe when I open up the Yahoo app. Whatever helps that? you sleep at night, John. Whatever helps you sleep at night. That's what it is. Well, John, you got to drop the that- estimate so I can sleep at night because I'm, I'm losing it. <laughs> Oh, me too. All right, yeah, well, let's get to it. Um, I just realized I don't have a pen. James, while you find a pen, how uh, how much time do I have to talk about Hoosier football? Oh, none. <laughs> Zero. No, we, I will not Zero. give you a platform for Hoosier football. Absolutely oh, across not. my room. I have to, I have to okay. put the mic down. All right, you go get a pen. But, yeah, this is uh, this is really the, the collapse. And while James is away, there's one other thing I wanted to get in. Totally arbitrary. Back to Eduardo Escobar. Yes. His last nine games. He has more home runs than he has strikeouts in the span. Really? He has five home runs, and he has four strikeouts in his last nine games. Eduardo Esco bombs. Let's go. And then on top of that, four of those five home runs have come from the left side of the dish. 
it's what you no, want. That's great. Quote a, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's great because like, I I mean, we talked about many a times that we thought it was going to be the uh, the platoon. But hey, Eduardo, keep playing like this. Not going to talk about platoons anymore. No. No, we're not. James, I, while you were gone, I mentioned that Eduardo Escobar in his last nine games has more home runs than strikeouts. Wow. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Hit us with so, this estimate, John. What do we got? All right. So, as you guys mentioned, a big day for Tomas Nito. The bottom of the order, I mean, when this team's going, everyone in the lineup one through nine is hitting. So this episode's estimate is going to be the total bases from the seven, eight, and nine hitters in the Mets lineup during their series against the Cubs. Wow. That's a good one. That's a good one. The boys are hot. The boys are swinging the bat. And total bases, I mean, it doesn't, you don't got to be getting doubles. Singles count for this too. So three game series, right? Against the Cubs, we're talking three games. Three games. Three games. Okay. Yeah, I got my number. I got my number. I'm going to go with this. Yeah, I like that a lot. This looks good. I'm going to box it because I boxed it last week and I won. So let's oh. keep it going. This this could be the one for me to tie it up, right? Yeah, there's a, I, have one, yeah. I have a one game Eight lead. Seven right now. One game lead. All right. I wrote did my number down, like the, James. Did you guys like the graphic, by the way? It looked great. I loved it. Oh, I didn't even see it. What, where was it? Last episode. I got a shout out real quick. Josh Rosenman, the graphics maestro. With Josh the Mets, put that together. That was awesome. I, I wanted to shout him out last week. I totally forgot. Drop yeah. the ball, but he did an yeah. awesome job on that. So shout yeah. out, Josh. New Thank Mets Sub logo dropping soon. Also, courtesy of Josh. Yes. Definitely. Shall we show? Yep. All right. Here we go. Perfectable tie. Three, two, one. Whoa! Wow! Wow! wow. Ten wow. and eleven. So I have ten. James has eleven. You, it's an under. It's an under and over. This Pretty is much. this is the craziest one we've ever. This is the closest we've ever been. And you yeah. want to know what number I was going to write down originally? Eleven. Eleven. I was going to write ten. I switched it up one. Wow! Last we switched with each other. This is this is weird. We don't normally do this. No. I thought you were going to go like seven, just because you're you're normally a low guy. Just that's how you roll. You always I just, like the I, just, I just I figure we're gonna get one of those we're gonna get one home run out of those guys, and then from there it's just gravy. Yeah, that's true. I mean, listen, I'll be root. I'll be rooting for to, to lose this one here. I was really hoping you'd go under so I could just root for as many total bases as possible. But if the Mets take this, you know, sweep the series here, and it's on the backs of seven, eight, nine, having twenty five total bases in the series, I'm happy to lose this one for you guys. All right, good start. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck, gentlemen. Um, this is this is a real pennant chase right here. I mean, this is this is, yeah. this is it. This is like the pennant chase, like the old days, where it's only one winner. Yeah, it's over. That's it. One winner, one loser, and uh, I'm just really hoping it's not me. Although I think everyone wants it to be me. Yeah. Could you imagine if like we were playing baseball like it was back then, though, and like it was only the Mets or the Braves were going to play the Dodgers and the CS? Stressful then. Then it's that really be, really stressful. Like that would be truthfully like so much fun right now. Like every uh, single day, it's like we'd have like three weeks of playoff baseball. It'd be like a month and a half. It'd be exhausting. That's too much. That's too much for the heart. Terry well, and I, Howie were talking about how much they wanted to see, like how much they wish that was the case. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, the purists. That makes sense. John, thank you for uh, giving us the estimate, and we will catch you on the next one as we uh, kind of wrap up this episode here with a little bit of a preview. And we also got new rules in Major League Baseball. I I was going to say, let's do that before the preview, because this is the first time in like months we've actually had time to talk about baseball in an episode. Yeah, let's do that. Do some stuff. MLB, classic Friday news dump. They passed rules that next year they are banning the shift. And their version of banning the shift is there has to be two players on each side of of second base, and everyone has to have feet on dirt. 
Yep. There's going to institute the pitch clock, which I think it depends on men on base or not. So I'm going to find that now to make sure I get that correct. I have I have it all in front of me. You want me to just yeah, read, read it, out? it out? Okay, so we're still talking about shift, right? Or we're on to the... Well, yeah, describe. I think I got the shift right, but maybe... Shift, you got 100% right. No, you got the shift 100% right. All four yeah. infielders must have both feet within the infield when the pitcher is on the rubber. You have the pitch timer, which is 15 seconds when the bases are empty, 20 seconds with runners on base, Hitter receives one timeout per plate appearance, which I think is fair. You don't need multiple timeouts. An average, and it just tells us that the average minor league game was reduced 26 minutes from 2021 to 2022. We've also seen this in person. The pitch timer is great. It's awesome. Bigger bases is the other thing that's happening. First, second, and third base are increased from 15-inch squares to 18-inch squares. Bigger bases expected to have a positive impact on player safety. And I believe Gary, Keith, and Ron, when they were doing the game this weekend, um, they talked about that. I don't know how they got this information, minor league, major league baseball, but base related injuries were down like 15 or 20% on the year That's because cool. of the bigger bases. So to me, so just like the fact that you're less likely to slide into like an ankle, slide into an ankle, slide into a leg, slide into a knee, step on an ankle, step on a knee. You just have more space to work with. Um, and I guess I think it technically makes the bases like the distance a little bit closer too, right. Or at least, I don't think there's any way they would create a rule that made the bases a little bit closer to each other, right? Cha fundamentally changed the game well, from 100 years ago. I mean, if the if the base at set, like I could see first base still being the same distance, but wouldn't the ball the base at second base, like first second, technically be like just ever so slightly closer because it's 18 inch I square? Get, yeah, yeah, I guess like two inches on each it's side a, closer. Yeah, it's irrelevant, but yeah, probably not irrelevant. Like a stolen base, that's a bang bang situation. It's not irrelevant. And I think that this does encourage stealing bases a little bit more too, because the well, base especially is I think the pickoff rule too, it's really, yes. um, really could like catalyze base stealing just because of, you kind of can game it now as a runner where you know, this guy has X amount of pickoffs remaining. So you can kind of, you could like almost like, if you know, you can get back on a guy, if you know, a guy has a bad move, you go, you go them into one pickoff, then you know, he only has one left. So you're immediately in the drive, in the driver's seat. I, I don't know. I think, I like I like the rules altogether, but I think that there's significantly more focus on the shift rule mm -hmm. than there is on the pitch clock. And I think the pitch clock is going to change the game significantly more than the shift rule. See, I think, well, it depends what, I don't know where you're going with this, with how you think it's going to change the game. But I do know that in our conversation with Max Scherzer, he talked about how he's going to be using the pitch clock in you know his future endeavors. So that's, the Max Scherzer interview is coming when he comes off the IL. So hopefully you guys will get that soon. But it's I, I like the pitch clock. I like the pitch timer. We saw it at the Arizona Fall League when we went last year, and we were watching games that were nine innings and over in two and a half hours. And as much as I love being at the stadium as long as possible because we're baseball, we're nuts. We're nuts about baseball. Yeah. There was something that was incredibly satisfying about watching baseball played at that pace because let's be honest, at times, even for the diehards, the game can get a little bit long, a little bit for slow. Sure. And when you have guys who step out every single pitch and need to – fix their batting gloves and do the thing that all the people who hate talking about how long baseball is say is like, fix the batting gloves, fix the helmet, dig my feet in. Like this moves the game along. It's not only on the pitcher. It's also on the batter. He's got to get in the box, which I think is good. And it's made a difference. Like the games are faster. This isn't like, a, sure there. this isn't fake. This isn't like, Oh, we think it's going to make it faster. There's proof that the games are faster. And in our experience, a lot more enjoyable. Like even those slow games go by fast now. I remember when the three batter minimum was passed. Evan Drellick, who's the baseball business reporter for The Athletic, he wrote a very good, thorough statistical article about how the three batter minimum would actually affect game time. And his final study was that it would actually make games take longer. 
Yes. Because the three batter minimum pitchers have less advantageous uh, matchups against most batters. So it's going to be more balls in play, more men on base, longer innings. So actually the average game time has increased since the three batter minimum rules instituted, which makes me still think that rules should just be absolutely taken out. It's a stupid rule. But the pitch clock, there's a lot of pitchers in baseball who have an average time to the plate of over 15 seconds. Sackcast has a new great tempo stat where you could like soar by pitchers. Oh, no way. The difference between bases empty and runners on base. And if you look at the guy, actually, Mark, <laughs> Do you know who is the slowest pitcher of the home plate in all of baseball? He's Justin a guy you Verlander. like. Justin no. Verlander. It's a guy like, I like? Zach Gallen. No, it's all relievers. All relievers are the slow guys. A reliever that I like. Well, I don't know if you're joking, but it's, it's no, not you like him. You like him. Oh, I actually like him. Alliteration name. Alliteration name. And it's a guy that I like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You caught me off guard here. I wasn't ready to just start naming relievers. Who is it? Gallegos. Oh, Giovanni Gallegos. I do like Giovanni Gallegos. Him and Kenley are tied for the slowest to the plate. 26 seconds on average in between pitches. Yeah, Kenley takes forever. I mean, especially and with runners on base, when he does that little thing with his leg, he takes like 30 seconds, yeah. I'm sure. 31-5 is the average. Gallegos, 31-6. But That's so long. I really just think that this rule is good. As long, we, I don't know exactly if there's going to be an inverse future consequence for pitcher health. Because a lot of injury is is provoked by fatigue. And you kind of think if you have less rest time in between reps, kind of think about just exercise. And these pitchers talk about this as well. The guys at Driveline talk about this all the time. If you have less rest time between your reps, you're putting more stress on your muscles using the throw. So theoretically, if you're throwing more frequently, batter after batter, inning over inning, there's a greater likelihood for fatigue, greater likelihood for stress. So logically, for injury. It didn't bear that out in the minor leagues this year, but it's also only one year of data. So I'm not going to just, I'm not going to hypothesize on something that we don't know if it's true, but that's the only thing I think that can make this bad. And then shifting, I think is interesting because everyone grabbed the shift. Everyone was talking about the shift. Yeah. Alex Fast did his like, these are the most shifted against it is in baseball. There's a chaos going on. <laughs> what is going on outside your apartment? It's got to be a gridlock or something, but oh, for sure. <laughs> someone's in the intersection. Someone's, for someone's sure. mad. Somebody else for sure. But I really just kind of think that these teams are still going to game the shift. I think you're going to sure. see the shortstop standing an inch away from second base. 100%. And the second the pitcher comes into a set, he's going to do a quick shuffle, three steps over the bag. And you're going to see the second baseman, who also traditionally, demanding a second baseman keep their feet on the dirt is a bizarre rule because as far back as baseball goes, second baseman back up for slow runners. That's kind of part of the game. That's the one place I have an issue with the shift thing is that I, th- I like the idea of two, two players need to be on each side of the bag. I think that's always been my thing. And like, that's where it becomes a gray area too, because like you could, some guys like take their like ready step, you know, get ready for the pitch from the grass and then are deep on the dirt. Now they can't do that, which is a little bit weird, but also at the same time, at least it is like well-defined and uniform. So there really is no question and everybody has to do it. So it's not like you're going to be able to like stand on the dirt and then you're going to take a sprint back. Like that's just not going to happen for second baseman, but no, I do back. see your I'm thing about like, the shortstop though. I can see that hundred yeah, percent, but there's going to be some kind of like a second baseman shuffle where like you're in your ready position, the pitcher comes set, raises the leg. And then I don't know exactly what the rule is like on release or on wind up or anything, but like you could very easily take three steps back and like still be on the balls of your feet. Yeah, Maybe relatively. not because you could, you want to charge something, but generally speaking, I don't know. I think they're, I think some teams are going to try like some kind of a moving defense. The Rays, the Rays, yeah, the Rays, the Giants, the Dodgers. Yeah. Maybe the Brewers, like these teams are going to try. Maybe that. the Mets, maybe the Mets, especially because you look at teams like the Rays, the Dodgers and the Giants specifically. And I know that they haven't, they've been developing minor leaguers 
with the intention of multi-positional guys because I think they were intending to do a lot of shifting over the next generation of baseball. Miguel so Vargas. I know the Giants specifically, Farhan, they kind of mandate players get a certain amount of innings at different positions as they come to the league. Like that's something that they want to do 100% with every single guy. I just, I also don't, I just, I can't see how much this actually affects. It's going to affect the game from an aesthetic standpoint. Yes. I think and I hits, think- hits off the bat, do you think are going to be hits or most likely usually going to be hits again? Which is, I think that's nice. I think that's good. Like I, I always and- am of the mindset that like, as much as I don't care about the single, I don't, I don't value singles. It's not something that I'm like, man, need, need more singles on this team, you know? But I think for the average person watching the game, more balls in play that aren't outs or more ball. Like when you see Christian Yelich or when you see Jeff McNeil or you see one of the, even the guy Francisco Lindor rope a ball to shallow right field. And it's a one hop to the second baseman or the third baseman playing out there. And he throws him out at first. Like that kind of sucks where you would go like 20 years ago. That's, that's a hit. That's a single. And that's more action technically in the game. So I see where people are like, this isn't actually going to change anything, but it's not about changing it for me or you. It's about changing it for the person who they're trying to get into baseball. And as much as that, I think is not great for the people who are diehard fans. We're not going anywhere. We're not, we're not going to stop watching because of the shift. I have a slight pushback against that a little devil's advocate situation. Just because I do feel like this is actually more of a plea to the older people. They want to make sure they keep in the game. Because see, for, I think to me, there's an aspect of the shifting for the younger generation. Some of us who, I mean, maybe it's not, maybe I'm just looking inside of my own like thought bubble. So it's different, but like there's something about pure and open strategy. Yeah. The fact that I can be creative with my defensive alignment. I can put eight guys, seven guys anywhere I want in the diamond and anywhere I think is the most likely to get an out. And I think that part of baseball was always fun to me. I thought it was cool that teams were using four outfits. Those cool teams using five infielders. Like, are you not like if it's if it's the ninth inning and there's men on base, are you not allowed to bring a fifth infielder in from the outfield? You know what I mean? For like, sure. are For you sure. not allowed to do those things now? No, I, I that that's a really good question. I don't have the answers to that. I think like your thought process is almost like too cerebral as well with like yeah how because again like you you find it cool and like you would have found it cool if you were younger or if you were older like that's i think that's more of like a you thing definitely where where i think like specifically because you're thinking of like the older side that this keeps them around and i think it does make them a little bit happy too but i think this is also big for like the younger generation because really at the end of the day like even though we don't care about batting average, like it's not something that we, we care about at all. I think it's a lot easier to tell like for a, like a, an eight or seven or a nine, 10 year old kid, see a guy get hits and be like, that guy's good. Yeah, instead of fun. him, instead of him getting out because he hit the ball to a guy who was playing in shallow right field. Like the average fan doesn't appreciate the shift, doesn't appreciate the strategy. They appreciate yeah. the offense and the, or at least the implied idea that more offense is happening. Cause it, it probably yeah. actually won't happen. I mean, I think this is generally a pro offense move. Like they're probably just like it's. I think it'll be like negligible over like this of like a league wide stat at all. But individual games are going to swing. Definitely. I mean, how many balls have we seen that the Mets have been shifted on defensively? And it's been like, oh, we just start shifting for two years. Now we can't do it anymore. I know it stinks. I painful. It it was a huge advantage for the smart teams, no doubt. I mean, you see, like the White Sox and the Padres are like typically at the bottom of the shift stuff. And while Mm -hmm. the Padres have been good. They haven't really made as much noise as you see like a team like the Rays or you've seen the Mets defense vastly improve over the last few years because of shifting. The Braves yeah. literally their entire season turned around last year. Once Brian Snicker was like, fine, we're going to shift more. And they started getting outs in their pitchers and their bullpen guys, you know, 
put out production that was way better than they expected. I don't like, I see both sides. I see mm -hmm. why people could hate it. And I see why most why people like it. I tend to lean on the side of, I think like you talking about how the, sh the rule can be abused. I think that's the strategy that's going to be able to keep yeah. us, us interested while also still keeping the people who have no idea about that excited. And there always will be that. Like no matter what rule gets created in Major League Baseball, there are teams that will do anything they can to find a loophole in it. It happens time after time. Like the Rays, the way they use their IL and the yeah. fact that they have their AAA team so close to Tampa Bay, it's really unbelievable how many pitchers they actually use in a given year. It's it's crazy. And a lot of teams now call on and do similar things. The Giants basically have like, and the Braves do this too, like Team 1A in AAA, you have your prospects in AA and you just kind of move around, like basically develop an entire taxi squad here. So anytime there's a rule that gets made, and like they tried to change that rule this year with the options, these teams are still finding ways around it. Like there's always ways to to play this game. That's kind of the beauty of, of baseball. It's even the beauty of like what we do in like fantasy sports or any yeah. kind of comp competition you ever have with another human being. Some people try to just play it, and there's other people who try to figure it out. Yes, and that's kind of what I liked a lot about baseball. And there will still be teams to do that, but I think the creativity is getting shrunk a little bit, which. I guess at some point that's better, but at some point that's worse. Yeah, it, it depends what side of the coin you land on. Um, I think I, I'm I'm personally I'm okay if if nobody can shift, I'm cool with it. If it was gonna be like some weird thing, like where it wasn't fair, which that would never happen. But like, well, no, if it's, it's like, like how it's like the 15 teams were the poorest in baseball get the extra into international yeah, money and the extra yeah. draft picks every year that no one knows that's, about. Yeah, that's stupid. That's dumb. That it's makes ridiculous. no sense. But like now that this is like a lead wide thing, I do genuinely believe that these changes will be good for baseball. And it's not like other sports don't do this too. Like in the NBA, you you couldn't just for a while like defensive three seconds. That's something that they changed to help offense. You could yeah. just stick a big man down low and have him stand there all game. And then they're like, okay, you can only be in the pay for three seconds now so we can have more guys driving to the hoop and scoring. I mean, there's, there's been rules that have been changed throughout all of sports, and all these sports are still there and all still doing pretty well. So to me – I mean, football we've seen change so much with no more yeah. no more like hands on defend, on uh, for the cornerbacks. You can't hit the quarterback above the shoulder pads or below the knee. Like roughing the pass has become much more liberal. Like every sport has changed like this. Hand checking in basketball, like – the, the trapezoid in hockey behind the net. Yeah. I know John's smiling, but behind the scenes right now. So it's, all sports have done this. And so it's just, I don't know. It's weird to see the sport I like the most do it. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's strange. It's definitely strange because I don't feel like we've seen a real significant rule change like this in the way the game's actually played in a while. Not like, really. We've seen DH, in like, yeah, we've seen different. We weren't born. We, 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 we existed in the DH. We knew yes. the DH from the time we were conscious. But this is this is different because we kind of grew up watching the shift develop. This was kind of like the first, I feel like, frontier of of data changing the game of baseball. I feel and like a lot of the people who are forward on the shift are relatively around our age. They're part of the yeah. people pushing forward in these organizations as well. It's interesting. I, I, I'm interested to see how it plays out, how much of actual real life impact it has and how how frustrating it's going to be when lefties just start peppering the hole and you're losing. And you're like, I wish I wish I could put the guy there again. Yeah, it's it, like a guy like Jeff McNeil, like has to be happy but also a little bit confused because no, Jeff could take advantage of the shift because he's such a good hitter. I mean, we, we were looking into McNeil yesterday and we were hanging out. He's only shifted against 25% of his plate appearances. And like yeah. he definitely has a higher woe against the shift and not against the shift, but that's kind of different because his shifts are different because not all shifts are created equal either. So that's why yes. a lot of those general just shifting stats that you see on Baseball Savant aren't really all-encompassing as you like them to be. I don't think anyone actually knows what the difference is rules. I also think the one other interesting part, is I guess how we'll leave this, is that this was not a unanimous decision. The owners yep. had more of a say, and they were the ones who pushed for this. The players were somewhat against it. 
I don't, I can't think of right now off the top of my head or exactly why that would be the case. If you have insight, maybe share, but it just, it's, it, whenever the owners push for rule, the players don't unilaterally agree with, I just, I'm skeptical of it. Yeah. I think that's also a little power thing too, probably yeah. just, of you course. guys want this? Well, we got to, we have to push back a little bit too. I mean, we know also, that Francisco Lindor, Julio Jones, up. 69 receiving yards. Let's go. Nice. Bang. Okay. Nice. Very good. But we also know that like, there are some guys too that don't like to shift our players too. Like Lindor has been very like open about Lynn. Yeah. Very open about like, I don't like the shift. I want to be able to make more plays and it's like almost making it easier. And I think that's also another part. I'm going to bring that up too. Think about when we were younger, think about like the early two thousands, like web gems, huge, right? Web gems don't really exist as much anymore because guys are just in the right spots. Now. I think it's just because baseball tonight doesn't exist. No, but I, <laughs> but I think in general, like you just don't see as many, like no, you're right. Great diving plays by infielders because they're just in the spots where they're going. And I for think sure, that's something but- that's huge for baseball growing as well. It's just more exciting plays. But I, th- I think you do still see. I don't think the quota on like exciting plays is that is like lacking in that way. I think it might be. I think it might be. You don't. I don't, I don't know. You almost we, never see like a, a shortstop dive up the middle and make a play and throw because they're just standing there now. But they're still going to be standing there. The only rules they can't go on the other side of the base. Relatively, they're going to. They're be still going to be standing right there. Whenever Close-ish. lefty's whenever lefty's still up, the shortstop's going to be literally on top of the bag, and the third baseman's going to be a shortstop. Got to be on the left side of the bag. Got to be on the left side. Yeah, you gotta be, your foot's going to be literally against it, and they're going to throw the pitch. You're going to shuffle to like straddle it, basically. I, th- I think I think we're going to see more exciting plays. I think it's going to be good. <laughs> more exciting inf- infield defense. We want to know what you guys think too at home, listening to this, watching this, whatever it is. Let us know. We're going to put out a tweet with a poll tomorrow about yeah. what you guys think about these rules. We'll ask about pitch timer, bigger bases, and shift restriction, because why not? Let's get some interaction on Twitter. Make sure you're following us over there at Mets Up. Let's go ahead and preview this Cubs series real quick here before we wrap up the episode. Three games against the Cubs back home at City Field. Excited to get back. Feels like forever since we've seen a Mets game at home, even though we're there all the time. But yeah, It was literally one week. I'm really excited because on Monday, uh, I'm going to a game with my friend Mike, and his friends got tickets at the City Pavilion, which I believe is out on the Shea Bridge. That's like one of the... Only play, I think that and what used to be the party city deck. I don't know if it's called that anymore. Those are like the only two places I have not sat in the entire stadium. I guess technically in one of the 300 level suites or 400 level suites as well. Mm-hmm. But that's, I'm happy to cross that off the list. It looks like a cool place to watch a game too. Yeah. This, this could be a week where we actually wind up with all three games, which is, which is both good and bad. Yes. <laughs> if we're going to be a busy week for the boys. Yeah. Heading into this uh, week, we've got pitching matchups here. Chris Bassett versus new cub Javier Assad. I, then, who, who is that? He's, he's, I'll, I'll break him down in a moment. But then uh, Jacob DeGrom versus Adrian Sampson on Tuesday. And then Wednesday night, David Peterson against the red hot Drew Smiley. I'm, I'm not excited to go into facing the buzzsaw that is Drew Smiley. But I also like that he's red hot. <laughs> we had I him. also like that because he's due. He's due to cool off a little bit. Yeah, I want to talk about Assad for a second because he kind of encapsulates what the Cubs are trying to do is from like a development standpoint, it's an organization right now. The Cubs kind of think they found like a market inefficiency in terms of like not a wipeout pitch and like not good velocity. And they're developing with multiple pitches and command right now, which however you think that works, it may kind of work for them this year because they've turned Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson into good pitchers. We're going to miss them both. But Assad throws a cutter, a sinker, and a four-seam fastball, which is like, you got you to gotta hit those pitches. Yeah. And he also mixes in curveball slider changeup. So in this Javier Assad start, you're probably going to see six pitches, minimum five. Most of them are going to be hard, but he does that thing where he just like hangs out in the shadows and throws them. So it's either going to be the most frustrating game that we're going to see all week, or we're going to have seven runs in the fourth inning. Which I vote for, I vote for option number two there. Absolutely. And we also haven't seen the Cubs since July. So I think wow, the last I was, time... 
I was literally, that was going to be my transition too. I was going to say, we haven't seen the Cubs in a while too, yeah. you know? <laughs> And they got uh, Wilson Contreras at the top of the order, still hitting well. Seiya Suzuki. He's on the IL, I believe, actually, Wilson. Oh, really? I missed that one. Well, yeah, I think. I don't know if he's going to be he back. day to day at the beginning of the week. Right now, on Baseball Reference, he sa- it says he's on the 10-day IL. Ryan Suckham got four field goals in the first half. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Devastating. Sorry to hear that. Nick Madrigal is also on the IL. Frank Schwindel, Jason Hayward. They have, some, like, the Cubs have some hitters, though, for sure. Like, hitting... Framio Reyes is now on this team. That, yeah. dude's, that dude's a guy to keep an eye out for because he's I got just, some crazy power. I just saw on Twitter he was singing Whitney Houston because Framio's a fantastic singer. If you guys never heard him sing, look up some Twitter clips because he, he knows how to hold a tune. He was just singing Whitney, apparently, with the ESPN guys. Okay. A friend of the show, Nick Pollock, said he was doing a good job. But, um, I mean, say Suzuki's hitting well right now. He's a very good player. Patrick Wisdom. Oh, yeah. Wilson Curious did them going on the IL. Nice. Yeah. Day the day to the IL. Happy is annoying. Yeah. Nick, Nico good. Horner's having a breakout season. Christopher Morell is playing not as good as he was the last time we saw them, but he kind of like almost cold. took over, tried to take over a series. But he's a young guy who swings and misses a lot. It's going to happen. Jan Gomes is still there. He'll be easy. <laughs> I don't want to see Jan Gomes too much. He loves playing against the Mets. Yeah. But I mean, this is a team that we're just better than, so we should beat them. What did, what just happened? Was there a car accident outside your window? I don't know, dude. It, whatever goes on outside this window, it's not it's not a party. I don't know. I also want to give a shout out to my boy Michael Hermosillo. I've uh, been friends with him for a long time. He's on the Cubs. Hope to see him. I, I'm not rude. You know, when the Mets go up ten nothing, he can play well. I'll give yeah. him that. I also want to give out a long overdue shout out. A little bit that's been going on in this show is that one of my best friends for a long time, Connor. He's been dying for a shout out. Oh, hope, he gets one. I, I hope he's still. I mean, I hope he's still listening. But we we were we were really getting mad at each other the other day because he's no damn fan. I'm an Ohio State fan. We went back and forth on that, and I gave him hell. Then Notre Dame, as everyone probably knows, lost to the Marshall Thundering Herd on Saturday. So I I, I was giving him. I was really being mean to him about it because he, he loves Notre Dame. It's like a family thing, and I was giving him crap. And then he got mad because. Because last week, like his dad, I just Connor's one of my best friends, been one of my best friends for a long time. So I was just like trying to, like, you know, I was doing a bit, mess with him. So Connor gets a shout out right now. I gave his dad one last week, but shout, shout you out, Connor. Shout out to Connor. Connor's good people. We've Great seen Connor people. a bunch. Hope to see him soon. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's pretty much it, though, for this episode, right? Nothing else to talk about with these Cubs here. I think we're good. Just got to beat them. Just got to beat them. And we should beat them. Let's keep swinging like they have the last two games of the series, the last two games of the Pirate series. We're going to be all right. We're going to be good. So keep swinging those bats. If you guys enjoyed what you're listening to, watching, whatever it is, make sure you follow us on all our social media at MetsUp on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Remember to check out the YouTube channel of the New York Mets if you want to see the video version of this. If you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, drop us a rating, a review, download, subscribe, whatever you got to do. We really do appreciate you guys. The show's grown a ton since we started, so really a big thank you to you guys. I mean, the the listener base has grown a significant amount, which is so Exponentially. Yeah, it's really, really awesome, and we're excited to keep giving you guys awesome content as we make the playoff push here through the playoffs off season. We're going to be here for you guys for a long time. So make sure you are sticking around and uh, yeah, we'll catch you after the next episode. Make sure you follow James at James underscore Shiano. You can follow me at giraffe Mark with a C. Thank you guys for listening and watching and we'll see you after the Cubs series. Peace out. Peace out guys. See you next time. Get up, get, get up, get up.